Welcome to your home for all things trending in sports. Midcourt, extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! A freshman has won it for the Wolverines! From golf to NASCAR and everything in between, it's time for the Ben and Ben Show live on Com Radio and the Radio FX app. Go length of the court with Archie Diacono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Now for your co-hosts, Ben Jenkins and Ben Furry. Hello and welcome back into the Ben and Ben Show. I'm Ben Free, joined with Ben Jenkins. And Ben, once again, we are not live over the airwaves. We are here in the recording studio for this special episode. Like you said, we've been a little absent from the airwaves recently. Yeah, we have been. The busy part of the semester, um, certainly for both of us, for you, um, both in and outside of schoolwork, you've got a a big announcement that happened last week. Um, For me, it's just a lot of school stuff. Um, have my my final event for my RPTM class coming up here. So just been a busy couple weeks, about ready to get it over with though. Semester's almost over, but we had this little opening here on Tuesday, figured no show last Thursday, no show this Thursday, minus a little smack one right in the middle here on Tuesday. Yeah, trying to make up for it a little bit as we have been very busy on Thursdays. Not a great day for the two of us these last couple weeks. And speaking of last couple weeks, there's only three weeks left in the semester. So like you said, it's winding down. And I think for both of us, I'm going to speak that it cannot come soon enough. Yeah. We are both ready for the school year to be over. But a couple more weeks here left. I got some big news last week that I'll be covering football for the Daily Collegian next year. So that's some big news for me. Made my life a lot more uh, difficult, a lot more <laughs> timing in there. So that should be good. It'll be a really fun fall, but a really busy fall. But we're adjusting to that. So that, that was one of the main reasons we have a show last Thursday. But – we're almost done here, and this weekend is blue-white weekend, the end of spring football, which is crazy to think that it seems like just yesterday spring football was starting up, and it was 30 degrees in State College, and there was a foot of snow on the ground, but it's already blue-white weekend. A um, bunch of fans are going to come up here to Happy Valley and watch a very boring football game, and that sums up how I feel about the blue-white game. I love the blue-white game, man. It's it's the sign that summer's on the way, the sign that summer ball's on the way, summer practice. Um, and then you get into the thick of the college football season there in August. I know that's a long ways away, but the blue-white game is the beginning of that. And, and it's for me anyway, it signifies the end of the cold weather for the most part. Um, and I'm excited. The weather looks great. Um, I know we're both going to be busy during the game, but the weekend looks fantastic. Hope, hopefully another nice crowd comes up for the game. Um, I think 65 and sunny, somewhere around in there they're calling for now. Um and, yeah, so it should be a good weekend. Hopefully a lot of recruits on campus, some good stuff to go down. Uh, always excited for Blue White weekend. Yeah, I think the best part about it is really just seeing, not necessarily the starters, but for me it's seeing the new guys, especially yeah. the early enrollees who come up here, do the spring practice, and then see them for their first ever action in a Penn State uniform. And just seeing that I think is the best part for me. Overall, I could just see the spring games going away, and I'd be fine with it, but – it is there are some nice things to see with some new people coming in. You do get to see a bunch of recruits coming in. But like you said, it's the start of warm weather. Well, maybe. If you're at Penn State, you never know when the warm weather is going to start. It might still be 30 again next week. Who knows? We could get snow again. 
Well, they, they're saying that Sunday after after Blue White might be a little bit colder and definitely rainy because looking around the 5K that day and um, might have to bring a bring an extra pair of clothes because it is supposed to rain all day. Unfortunately, coming off of a beautiful day on Saturday, but you know, and and as a from a fan's perspective, and maybe you don't agree with this, maybe you do, but there's nothing better than in, than getting back into Beaver Stadium, um, especially after that long off season. Uh, even if you're just there for an hour or so, because it is a short game, um, it's still a great feeling. Yeah, it shows that the semester's winding down, spring is here. That, that, that's mainly the main point of it. But I guess we'll just get into sports stuff right away this week. Oh, also more on your 5K later. We'll, we'll get into that <laughs> a little later. Um, <laughs> we'll start with some sports news, something that happened. Oh, when did this happen? Been a week ago, two weeks ago Yeah, now. roughly. The AAF officially collapsed. Um, the league announced that they were suspending it right away. They just kind of just, in the middle of the week, just threw this news out there. The league all of a sudden ended, and they never got to do the playoffs. It just kind of ended in the middle of the week, kind of out of nowhere. Um, there's a little bit of rumors about some financial issues with the league, but nothing to the point where anyone would suspect that this was just going to happen in the middle of the week. And it was kind of some crazy news from this startup football league that seemed – appeared to be doing well and people were watching it and the football actually wasn't that bad um so it just kind of came out of nowhere yeah i mean it, it is weird because they had originally said that there was a five-year plan and i don't know how you go from having a five-year plan to not even making it to the postseason in in year number one um and i think part of that is because in stadium attendance took a nosedive um people were settling for um, watching it on TV and, and not going to the games, which I think is just a, a problem in American sports in general. Um, and so it kind of it kind of took the, the air out of the ball, if you will, and, and they couldn't recover from that. Who knows what was below the surface? I'm sure there's a lot of things that nobody knows about except for the, the upper levels there. But, you know, I have some questions as well. You know, is Orlando the champion? I mean, I'm pretty sure they were leading when this thing ended, and I think I saw – a graphic somebody made for them declaring them the AAF champions, um, the only ever champions of the AAF. So I guess that's cool for Steve Spurrier and that bunch. But, yeah, it's tough because there's a lot of good people who are out of jobs now, and it was so abrupt. It was either Monday or Tuesday when they announced the league was closing. And just for the sake of the discussion, we'll say it was a Monday. On Tuesday, all the players were done, Yeah, and their salaries just cut right to zero, nothing. And then on Wednesday, everybody in the front offices were done just – acts completely out of a job so horrible situation for everybody involved hope that people um, players can get jobs hope that the front office people can get jobs um, and, and it's kind of weird this thing's just going to kind of disappear like a ghost town yeah I I remember reading a Sports Illustrated article right after it happened and it was from like a sports law expert about like the potential ramifications and just how this all happened it was a really good article I can't think of what the exact headline was. That'd be, definitely be a good read. It's just about saying like how this happened and how this could happen and the way this league was structured and how it's completely different from the NFL. So this can just happen. It can just shut down and fold away. But one thing I'll point to another news article. I'm full of news articles today. Was I saw an article that popped up on my Twitter timeline a couple of days after it announced that it was folding. And it was on one of the players who broke his arm yeah. in a game. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, Ben. But he broke his arm in the game, and all of a sudden, he has no paycheck. He has no insurance anymore to heal this broken arm. Like, the league quit. He is out of a job, and now he has a broken arm. 
And it said, like, he was in between moving to the new city where he was playing in. Like, it was this whole thing that now, what are you going to do with all these players? And for most of the players who don't have injuries and that kind of thing, a lot of them actually have signed to the NFL. I just saw today the Dolphins have a total of seven AAF players that they just added to their roster. A lot of players are getting a chance in NFL camps. Now, whether they actually make the teams or they just get cut, which is probably more likely for that to happen later as the preseason goes on. But these players, the league worked really for what it was. I mean, it started up, it gave these players a second chance, and now we're seeing a lot of them getting a second chance in an NFL camp. But it is not the way that anyone wanted it to end. And I don't want to say, like, I know the main issue, there was something financially with the owners that eventually put it away, that they eventually decided to shut it down. But it was really shocking that that happened that quickly. But the question I want to raise, Ben, is does this doom the return of the XFL before it even starts? I think probably, yeah. Um, You know, look, the XFL was around once and completely folded the same way that the AAF did. Um, I think we're just realizing, and and this is something that, it's kind of one of those shower thoughts that hit me. I was just kind of chilling out in the shower, and and this hit me because I was thinking about this whole thing is, what if people aren't as hungry for football as we thought they were? Every single time one of these leagues forms in the offseason to try and keep the season going, the Super Bowl's in February, this league started like two weeks later. What if people want a break? I mean, I, that's what I'm starting to get here is, you know, maybe people don't want football 365 days a year. Maybe there's a reason that the season goes from August to February and college August to January. I mean, maybe there's a reason for that. And I, I think that's what we need to take from this is, you know, the XFL is going to try it. And... If I was a betting man, I'd put money down that the XFL is going to hit the same thing. I mean, maybe they do last longer than a year. Maybe they go a little bit longer. But, you know, I don't see how it ends any differently because that's just the way it's always been. And and so far, everybody comes up with these great ideas, great ways to make this thing work. And at the end of the day, it just never does. Well, I think the big thing with this one was it was slightly affiliated with the NFL. There wasn't a complete connection there. Like, the NFL didn't own the AAF. But there was a lot of connections there. And the people running it, like Bill Polian was an example of someone who was one of the better GMs in the NFL, went on to ESPN, had a great career there doing and now analyzing sports from that side of things, and then came back and invested in this league, and it failed. And there were some really big names in the AAF. Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward was it. Like, there were some really big proven names involved in the AAF in their management system. And to think that that didn't work out, even with the massive TV contract, it's hard to think that anything will be different with the XFL. I mean, I don't know what they're going to try to do. I mean, they proved back that the first time that if they make a violent football, it's not going to work. So if they just put out the same football product, it's still not going to work. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do. This has to hurt them more than anyone else, though. Because at first we were talking about how are they going to compete with this league. Well, at this point, it's now if you're in one of the investors in the XFL – and you see, wow, this other startup league, they didn't even make it a season. I would be very worried about putting my money into something like that. And it's like you said, Ben, I'm starting to wonder if minor league football is ever going to be a thing, and I just don't think it's going to be. I don't think it needs to be. I think college football is minor league football. That's just how it is. You get the best talent coming up through after high school, and then if they're good enough, they go to the NFL. And and was the on-air or the on-field experience, was it okay for the AAF? I guess so, but... Um, it was mostly a field goal kickers league, if I'm being completely honest. You had a lot of games that were um, 
you know, 15 to 12, 15 to 9. And, and that's not what real football is, I don't think. So, um, you know, you, you take that best talent and it goes to the NFL. And, and that's what college football is. College football is a major business. And so that makes two. You have the NFL, which is incredible, and you have college football, which is also just as massive. And and so you want to try and, and take things from both of those to, to create another another league and another way to get that money. I just don't see it ever happening. The only way I can see it actually happening is if it fully sprouts from the NFL and the NFL franchises own these minor league, I'll put it in quotation minor league teams, similar to the way that it is with baseball and with hockey, where they have these affiliate teams. But like you said, I just don't know if people want that and if people are really going to go see that. And also the other thing, now this doesn't really work with the hockey narrative there, but with baseball and football, it's a little different about getting a team of football players together. Well, it is for hockey too. I mean, these football teams have 40, 50 man, at least 40, I would say for a roster normally for a general football team, that's a lot of guys. And that's a lot of people to be putting on payroll and to be putting in these minor league systems. At the end of the day, I just don't know if it's worth it, and I don't know if people really want to watch it, especially watch football that is worse than what they could just watch on TV on Saturdays in the fall. Yeah, and I think the reason that the model works so well for baseball is because you know it takes time to learn how to hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. You can't do that at 19 years old for the most part, and so that's why that system works. If if you're a really fast guy coming out of college who can catch the ball, then you can go play for the Steelers, run really fast, and catch the ball. Juju does it every week. So I, I think that there's not as much of a learning curve there. I think in a game like football, you've already learned what you're going to learn for the most part. Um, you might correct some small style things, things like that, but but once you get to that f- top level of college football, once you play for a school in the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC – that's as good as it gets before you go to the next level um, if you're fortunate enough to go to the next level. And so I don't think it's like baseball where, yeah, okay, well, you go through college baseball, which isn't nearly as strong as college football in any sort of the imagination. You might start in double A, and you'll be thrown against pitchers who maybe are hurt and come down, um, who throw stuff that's sometimes in the 90s. Triple A, well, that's another step up. You're going to get mid-90s. And then you go to the MLB if you're good enough. And so I think it's just a much different sport. Um, and maybe the model's just not right for football. And I'll leave this topic on this. I'm very excited for one day when we eventually get the ESPN 30 for 30 on the AAF. Yeah. Because the one that they did on the XFL the first time around was just incredible. And I can't wait to see the in-depth stuff that comes from this because I'm sure there's so many stories to be told in there. And it'll be a very good documentary one of these days. And if you want to get really, really risky with it, excuse me, get ready for XFL 2 because, like <laughs> I said, I think that might uh, go belly up as well. All right, now we're going to move on to some more recent news, move over to the hardwood, where March Madness wrapped up last night, the NCAA tournament. Virginia was crowned the national champions over Texas Tech, and an overtime thriller was actually a really good basketball game. And it kind of came full circle for Virginia. They're story went from being the first number one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed to being a number one seed again being down to a 16 seed at halftime and now there they are they're national champions full circle there a cool story for them um and i know there's some really cool content coming out about their team and their journey over this past year so not make sure that didn't happen again and end as a champion but then what are your thoughts on all of this first off you were right it was a great game i didn't watch the whole thing um, picked it up 
five, six, seven minutes left to go in the second half, and then watched through there all the way through overtime. Um, so I was there to watch Texas Tech be down 10, come all the way back and take the lead, and call a really terrible play with one second left on the clock um, and a chance to win that game. I was really frustrated um, from my apartment on why they took a timeout there, um, why they didn't already have a play drawn up. In that situation with a second left, you should have a play drawn up. That way you don't have to burn that last timeout because in that situation, nobody got open on mm-hmm. the inbound, could have called a timeout, reset, and got a better look. Uh, so I was frustrated before the play even happened because I was like, wait a minute, why are they using that timeout? They can use that later. Um, and it probably would have worked better. They would have had a better look instead of somebody taking a three with a man right in his face and tipping the ball. So that was kind of, from that point on, I kind of wondered, like, oh, is, is this situation too big for Texas Tech? Um, and Virginia just played better in that overtime period. They got a little, they got a lead. It was one yep. of those games where whoever missed a shot first was going to be in trouble. And Texas Tech did that. They missed a shot first, let Virginia get out ahead, and, yep. and couldn't claw their way back. So a great basketball game, exactly what the NCAA needed. Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> I thought about this earlier today while I was writing this rundown. My analogy for the NCAA tournament today, you got to get ready for this one. Uh, this was this came from the depths of my brain. It, the NCAA tournament was like a fine wine this year, Ben. It just got better with age. Okay. It, as it, it the, the first couple rounds were awful. They were not exciting. There was very few upsets, there was very few storylines. And because of that, as we went, the basketball just kept getting better and better and better. I mean, think about those elite 8 games were some of the best games in the tournament. I mean, that Purdue Virginia game was just incredible. And I think Duke-Michigan State was also a really good game. So, and Gonzaga-Texas Tech, I'm also going through all of them at this point. But all, those three games just stand out to me as just incredible, incredible basketball games. So, it ended very, very good, this NCAA tournament. I just think the start was a little lackluster. We didn't see that big Cinderella run. I mean, I guess Texas Tech being a three seed, not too many people had them going far. I mean, I think some people, for the most part, people figured they, they were a good team. Like, people knew they were a good team. I don't know if people thought they would be in the championship game. But overall, no big Cinderella story this year. But I still think the basketball was very, very good, especially at the end of this tournament. See, I think that's what made this final really good is because in my mind, for some reason, I almost think that both of these teams are a Cinderella story. And it's not often that you say that about a one seed. I get that Virginia was a one seed. But these are two teams that had never won a national championship in basketball before. And to have both of them playing on on the same court for that first national title, you think of a school like Virginia, and you just assume, oh, they've won three national championships in the last 15 years or so. They don't have one ever. So um, to see them finally take that next step, it's funny because in my bracket, I almost always pick Virginia to go deep. And I said, not this time, not this year. (laughs) You've broken my heart. Every single year in my bracket, I'm not doing it this year. And look what they did. They went all the way, and they finally got it done. So... Is this the next basketball powerhouse? I don't know. I see they're projected um, right now to win the national championship again next year. I think that's kind of a stretch. It's obviously way too early to figure that out. Um, But who knows? Maybe they can compete. They're in the best conference in basketball, so uh, maybe they'll be right up there with Duke and UNC. When I lied earlier, Auburn was definitely the Cinderella team of this tournament, coming as a 5 seed. I mean, they had Charles Barkley behind him the whole way. I, I They were definitely the big Cinderella story of this team. But if you look at just at that Final Four, you have Michigan State, the normal powerhouse as far as that goes. You have Texas Tech, who was there for one of the – they were really – they were once, like you said, playing for their first national championship. They were like the new kids on the block. And then you had Virginia on the other side, 
who had that incredible story of getting beat by UMBC the year before. And then you had Auburn, who was the big Cinderella team of the tournament. So that Final Four was just really compelling and a lot of good storylines. So overall, NCAA tournament got a positive plus check mark from me. Ben, I feel like you're nodding your head, so I'd say that you agree with us. So that's where we're going to leave college basketball this year. We'll come back next year to teams having completely different rosters because everyone leaves after a year. Uh, drives me nuts. Anyway, speaking of which, did you see the news today where um, Lamar Stevens is going to enter the draft? In but he's going to, unlike Tony Carr, keep the uh, potential to come back, even though he hired an agent. I have no idea. Yeah, I, what's I don't going know how that there. works. But yes, I did see that Lamar Stevens is gone. Kinda, um, he's gonna go test that NBA draft waters, similar to Tony Carr did, but he is keeping it so he can come back next year in case, just like Tony Carr. His NBA dream, I don't know, I, dreams are a little stretch because Tony Carr could make it back there, but in case the draft waters aren't very positive for him. And for Lamar Stevens, I do think he is an NBA caliber player. Yes. I don't, there's no doubt in my mind that that he will eventually be in the NBA. I just think he could use one more year. He was great this year. Um, I think he should come back for one more year, and I think the same thing for Mike Watkins. If he goes out this year, not going to be a good thing. He'll end up in Germany or Italy or somewhere come back to Penn State for one more year, there's a way bigger ceiling there than if you try to leave. Yeah, I think they should both stay. Overall, for when you play for Duke, Michigan State, like when you're one of those top 20, 30 recruits in the country and you come in with the five stars, you have to play, right? I mean, you're going to leave right away. But for some of these guys at these smaller programs, stay your four years. It'll only help you. But now we're going to move on to the best team at Penn State. Right now. Right now. Penn State men's lacrosse. I don't want everyone that is a big Penn State wrestling fan to come after me. Um, they'll be outside my window chanting and <laughs> with pitchforks and everything on fire. Yeah, they're going to be coming after me if I say that Lax is the best team, period, on campus. But the best team playing right now, um, number one in the country, defeated number seven, Ohio State, 13-8 to on Sunday night in the rain. And there's no doubt they are the best team on campus right now that's playing. Uh, and we're starting to get to the point where – National championship discussion? I, I think so. I really do. And and I know we're we're looking out quite a ways here, but what a better there, – there is no better way to introduce a brand-new stadium in Panzer Stadium than to have your men's team potentially go out there and win a national championship. And I know we're, we're not quite there yet. We've still got plenty of regular season, plenty of the Big Ten schedule to go. But, man, this team just looks good. They can score like crazy. Um, they've had a powerful offense all year. Keeping teams from scoring a lot, only eight goals there for Ohio State. So this team looks really good right now, and, and it, they're making it really fun to watch lacrosse. Ever since I've gotten here, and even the summer, the spring, sorry, before I came to campus, I've kind of bought into lacrosse more because growing up didn't have it in my area, didn't even know what it was. And they're making it really fun to watch. I love to watch this Penn State team play lacrosse especially when they've got the chrome helmets on. Oh, those were incredible. They were super cool. Uh, hint, hint, football, maybe you can uh, buy in on that. Although I did see on Facebook somebody said, leaked Penn State football new helmets just to rile people up, and you should have seen it. I got like <laughs> 500 comments. Oh, no, people would riot in the streets. Yeah, that was bad. But, no, that's bad. Men's lacrosse is fantastic. Loving watching them right now. And, and brand-new stadium and Panzer Stadium, all things are aligning really well right now for that program. Now you got you have me distracted now. My brain's thinking Penn State uniforms, <laughs> like just for the whiteout game, a chrome helmet with a blue singular blue stripe down the center of it. It would be awesome. What about a white stripe? For oh, a white stripe! It would just be incredible. But 
that'll never happen. But anyway, uh, back to lacrosse, the thing we were supposed to be talking about here. And, yeah, I mean, the thing with the, the, the lacrosse season, if I can figure out how to talk, is they only have three regular season games left. Their season's so short, not many games. They go to Michigan, then they have Hopkins here and Rutgers here. And both Hopkins and Rutgers, very good teams, both of those at home. So we're thinking of this. They could potentially run the table here, and what an incredible story it would be with the opening of Panzer Stadium to bring home a national championship in its first year. That would just be an incredible story. And, you know, if Penn State doesn't lose that game early in the season up at Yale, they're undefeated right now. You're looking at an undefeated team, and, and, you know, they're already number one, so it wouldn't really change much, but. Wow, even better of a story, but but hey, I'm not going to complain with what they're doing right now. Like I said, really fun to watch and looking forward to the rest of the season. Now we'll move on to something quick that we don't really talk about much here on the Ben and Ben Show. The good old NHL, something I do enjoy in my pastime. Every year I follow harder and harder and harder. Eventually I'll become someone who watches hockey every single night and every single game across the country. Not quite there yet, but the NHL playoffs are starting tomorrow night. And Ben, I just want to ask you, what's a bold prediction you have for the playoffs, and then who's going to bring home the Stanley Cup? Will the Caps repeat? Well, there's my uh, there's my bold prediction. No, they will not repeat. Um, looking at number, they're number three right now in the East. I don't think they're going to repeat. I don't think that happens. Um, it's it's hard to look anywhere farther than Tampa Bay, 62 and 16, 128 points on the year. That's just unreal. That's unbelievable. Um, you look at the teams around them, nobody's even close. 49-24 and 24 for Boston in the East. You look at the, the first-place team in the West in Calgary, 50-25. and 25. Um, I don't think you look any farther than those top two teams, the top team in the East in, in Tampa Bay and the top team in the West in Calgary. It's going to come down to those two teams, I think. For me, I think the Lightning come out of the East. I think they're the best team over there, playing the best hockey out of anyone in the league. I think on the West, I think Vegas gets back. I think Vegas oh, okay. ends up beating Calgary. I think they get back in their second year, two Stanley Cup appearances. That would be crazy. But I think just goaltending-wise, they have the edge there. They can get that done. I believe that Vegas will get back and play, take on the Lightning for the Cup. I think the Lightning, at the end of the day, they're just the best team in the league, and I don't see it stopping heading into the playoffs. So Vegas right now has them at a 2-1 to one odd to win the Stanley Cup, which is just incredible. But my bold prediction is a very bold one. It's that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to beat the Washington Washington Capitals in the first round of the playoffs. Very, 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 very bold prediction there. I don't know. I just have a feeling that, I don't know, I believe in the Canes. Uh, Some North Carolina hockey will take down the Washington Capitals. Hey, that'd be fine with me. Uh, as a as a Penguins guy, you know, I the, probably the reason we don't talk about hockey on this show as much as we probably should um, probably my fault because I don't follow it quite as much as I probably should. But, um, yeah, Washington, I don't think that they'll go back-to-back. It's so hard to go back-to-back in hockey. And I know I know the Penguins did do it recently, but it's only been done three or four times in the last 30 years or whatever the stat is. So it's really hard to do, and I, I think the odds are against Washington. Yeah, I mean, just in hockey in general, it's hard to make predictions like this because so much of hockey is random mm-hmm. where the puck bounces how the puck bounces and a lot of it is also relies on goaltending what goalie gets hot I mean a goalie can carry you through the Stanley Cup playoffs I mean they can carry you pretty much all the way to the finals now you need the rest of your team to play well as well but and you need to get some lucky bounces as always but a goaltender can really carry you in the NHL playoffs so it's all really about who's hot at the right time 
and that can really determine a lot about the NHL playoffs. They are some of the best things to watch, though, as far as sports on TV. They are just incredible. The atmospheres are insane, and the hockey is really, really good, and who knows what's going to happen. But you're right. It's kind of like trying to predict who's going to win the baseball games tonight. It, you just you can't really do it because um, things change every day. You know, you've got a guy who, uh, just to use the base, baseball reference, might be batting 200 for the night. He hits a home run, everything changes, and you can't predict that. So that's what makes it fun. That's what makes these kind of sports exciting. Um, there's not a few. There's not many that are like that. You look at like football, basketball. You can usually predict those, but you get into the hockey and 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 baseball sports like that. It's up for grabs. All right, Ben. Now we'll move on over to the oval, over to the track, and over in the world of NASCAR, where you have written here. Nothing's changed since we've talked last. Uh, <laughs> they're getting into the heart of their season now. Uh, the new season talk is going away and being replaced by. Mid-season talk, I guess, even though it's a little early for that. But starting to get into the season, starting to get into the weekly groove. And Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske Racing are the only two teams to win after eight races, which is crazy. Yeah, it, it's pretty much the Kyle Busch show over NASCAR right now. Eight races in, headed to Richmond, and, and Kyle's just put on a clinic this year. He's won three times out of eight races already. That's almost half, um, including last weekend at Bristol, which is, you know, the Kyle Busch's track, I think that's his eighth cup win there, something crazy like that. Um, but, no, it's been pretty much the Kyle Busch show. Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski have two wins apiece, and then Joey Logano, the only other driver right now with a win, uh, he has his one. So not much parity so far this season. You don't have a Ford driver. Sorry, you do have Ford drivers in, the, in there, but nobody from Stuart Haas, which is shocking. Yeah, that's the biggest shocking. I mean, they've been dominating the sport the last couple of years. They just haven't gotten those wins yet. Considering last year, Harvick had what, three wins by this yeah. time. Clint Boyer had a win. Um, it's really hard to believe that they've been held off the board, and they've been fast every week. Yeah, they just haven't um, won. Yeah, they've had a couple weeks there, two in a row, where they had all four cars in the top ten, and then you know Eric Almirola gets wrecked out really early at Bristol. Um, if it's not for that, all all those cars are fast once again. So I think it'll come eventually, but for whatever reason – um, for kind of being the flagship Ford team, they're not, they're really struggling. Um, it's been the Penske show in the Ford camp, and then Chevy uh, just in, struggling again. There's there's I don't even know what to say about that. Um, Hendrick Motorsports used to be the the be all of NASCAR, and and they've just been downhill these last couple of years. I don't know what it is. If it's not for Chase Elliott, they don't have any wins last year. Um, he's been by far the best. Hendrick driver this year, and and the best Chevy driver hasn't even come from Hendrick. It's been Kurt Busch in the one, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think anybody would have guessed no, before the year. He finishes second at Bristol, has had a bunch of top fives this year. Um, said after the race at Bristol, he would have wrecked his brother Kyle for the win if he could have caught him. Uh, that would have been awesome. Oh, to that would see. have been incredible. But who knows who's going to get up there first? Headed to Richmond this weekend, another short track. Um, that's three short tracks out of the last four races. We had Martinsville. Texas, which is a mile and a half, and then back-to-back Bristol and Richmond. So we'll see what happens there. Um, curious to see who breaks the streak. In the past, Denny Hamlin's been really good mm-hmm. at Richmond. He's from Virginia, so have to see if he can get that third win. But if anybody's going to do it, I don't know if, you gonna, if you're going to bring up a prediction there. For, but for me, it's going to be Ryan Blaney. Uh, another Penske guy might as well add to the story. <laughs> but Ryan has been fast every single week. He's led laps. He was the leader at Texas Blue Motor, which hardly ever happens anymore in NASCAR. Yeah. But, of course, Blaney leads, blows a motor. 
Um, finished fourth at Bristol last weekend. He's had plenty of top fives as well. Carr's been fast. He's led the most laps out of anybody who hasn't won yet this year. Um, so I think Ryan Blaney's probably the next guy to break through. But I don't know. Do you have a have a pick there? I don't know. I think Denny Hamlin gets it this week. Okay. I think he wins this week at Richmond. Continues that streak in the nine races. After that, I don't really know. Um, I think I have to think that out of those two teams, a Stuart Haas car is going to win one of these coming weeks. In the next three weeks, I, I have to think to. one of them would have to break through and finally win. Because they have been fast. They've been running up front. I have to think one of them would eventually get the luck and put it together and eventually get a win. But really, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. That the good news for the rest of the teams is that there is plenty and plenty and plenty of season left. All you need is one win to get into the chase. That's all you need to worry about. So I think the good news for them is they have plenty of time to break this streak. And maybe for the Joe Gibbs-Penske show, this isn't necessarily the time that you want to be hot. For Kyle Busch, I don't know if you want to be winning three. I mean, I you're never going to complain about winning races, but it's going to be hard to keep that going for the whole entire season. I mean, maybe he can, and I'll look like an idiot when this plays back in the fall. But it's I it's hard to think that he can keep this success going for the whole season. So maybe he's getting a little too hot too early. Before we move on from NASCAR right now, I I've been so impressed with with one of Stuart Haas Racing's drivers and Daniel Suarez, the new man in the 41. I just want to run through these finishes right here because, you know, people really, really did not like this move. And people really, really didn't like the move of putting Eric Almirola in the 10 last year. He wins one race at Talladega, should have won three or four. The guy had horrible luck throughout the season. Ends up finishing fifth in the playoffs, the the first guy not to make the final four. Um, look at these finishes from Daniel Suarez off of the struggles he's had in his first few years. Atlanta. Starts 5th, finishes 10th. Top 10, his first one at Stuart Haas. Auto Club, not a top 10, finishes 13th. Then these last three races in a row, Martinsville starts 9th, finishes 10th. Texas starts 4th, finishes 3rd. Bristol starts 20th, finishes 8th. This guy has done way more with that car than I think anybody expected him to do. Now that is a pretty decent team there. Kurt Busch took them to victory lane at Bristol last year. Um, But for him to hop in this ride and contend right away, his worst finish was with Daytona, caught up in a wreck, finished 33rd. But other than that, he's been good almost every single week. He's either been the highest finishing or the second highest finishing Stuart Haas car. And nothing but good from Daniel Suarez so far. I said it before the year. I expected him to win a race and, and headed into the ninth race of the season, coming off three straight top tens. Wouldn't surprise me if it's sooner rather than later. I will say one thing before we move on again. Is this is very good for the sport when you have – people like Suarez and you mentioned Ryan Blaney two of the younger guys really running the pack here and they haven't won yet but they're really starting to put it together and really starting to be the exciting people to watch for the race I throw Chase Elliott in there too who has won last year is that's very good for the sport to have some of the young guys start to take over and take on these bigger roles and it makes you wonder when some of those bigger names are going to step away. Look at the the turnover that's been in NASCAR these few years. With, it's been incredible. With Jeff Gordon going out and then Tony Stewart and then following him, Dale Jr. Um, and, and I think Matt Kenseth leaves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to continue. I don't know who the next one's going to be right now. I think all signs point to Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. But, but who knows, you know. You don't know how many years somebody like Kevin Harvick has left. And you wonder if NASCAR can handle this this changeover because so far it hasn't handled it well. Now, Dale Jr. is a, is a man yeah, I mean, of his own stature. You're never going to replace a guy like Jr., but 
But no, I think these young kids have to get up there and start winning these races. And, and they're so close. Chase won three times last year. Blaney has two career wins. Uh, should have a lot more. He's He's been out front a lot in these last few weeks and these last couple years. So um, hopefully people start latching on to these younger drivers because there is so much talent there. And I'm excited for, for Christopher Bell to make the jump to Cup whenever he does that. Uh, it's interesting. I have a lot of conversations with my dad about this. Who knows where he's going to go because uh, Joe Gibbs Racing finalizing a contract extension with Eric Jones, another young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, where's Where's Christopher Bell going to go? So that could be a wild offseason thing because he's due to get the bump up. But so many young guys that are just nice people off the track and, and really fast on the track. So uh, I think the future is bright from NASCAR no matter what anybody else says. And with that, we're going to move into our final segment of the show today. It's what we always end on, what we're most excited for this week. I'll go first because Ben has a doozy. <laughs> um, my original thing was for it to be over because this week's been crazy. A lot of stuff going on. Just want to get it over with. But then I also remembered that Game of Thrones returns on Sunday. Oh, okay. And I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. So that is definitely what I'm most excited for. See that the final season starts on Sunday. So that's where I'll be every Sunday at 9 p.m. for the next six weeks. I believe there's six episodes. So before I go, were you kind of fangirling when the Jonas Brothers in, were in town with their wives? Because I believe the one wife is on Game of Thrones, right? I, I wasn't really fangirling. I, I was never really caught up in the Jonas Brothers craze, Ben. I don't know. Were you a big Jonas Brothers guy back in the day? I wasn't, but but my girlfriend certainly was, and she was kind of heartbroken that that she wasn't old enough to get into champs, and and I got a I got a Snapchat from my sister that said, "Why aren't you at champs?" I said, "Do you know how old I am? I, there's no way I'm getting into champs." And and that line was incredibly long. I know this isn't what we came here to talk. No, about. No, no, I'm but, here for but it. Though. Super cool, super cool to have the Joe Bros in town. Yeah, that was crazy. And just to think, I I went home this past weekend, so I wasn't even here at State College, and I went to bed pretty early on whatever night was that Friday night, Saturday night. I went to bed at a decent early time, and I woke up to. So I went to bed like they were I knew they were coming, but like nothing, nothing actually happened. And I woke up to seeing videos of James Franklin at on the stage with them, them bartending. Like I I was like, did this actually happen? Like, is this real life that just happened last night that the Jonas Brothers did all this in state college? And it was like a national Twitter moment yeah. for like days. Like I think today is the first day I haven't seen it on Twitter moments. It was a big national thing that the Jonas Brothers came here and actually the Jonas Brothers they came here that night it was Friday night and then mm-hmm. Saturday night they performed after the final four in Minneapolis really? I don't know if you know that knew I that I didn't know that but yeah they stopped here before going to perform after the final four just crazy that that just happened out of nowhere seemingly from a bar stool best bar contest who would have thought yeah and and we'll see if they come back James Franklin yeah, said the whiteout uh, show show them how Penn State how State College parties is up and We'll see him back at the whiteout, so that could be pretty cool. Maybe. I don't know if we've ever had this for the whiteout before. Could we get a, a pregame concert? That'd be wow. pretty neat. Well, I was just saying if the Jonas Brothers are on the sideline for that whiteout game, I ha- I will have the ability to get on the sideline. I'll have to take a picture of or with the Jonas Brothers. I feel like I have to meet them as someone who grew up when they were up and coming in a big thing. I feel like that's something just our generation really understands. There's like a four- or five-year gap there where we, like, everyone – grew up with the Jonas Brothers like I don't know it's just that like age group where people way younger way older just don't really understand it's just one of those things mentally you would sort of the year 3000 wouldn't you (laughs) exactly that's a joke that (laughs) I don't know if anybody out there will get maybe a few people will but anyway on to what I'm most excited for this week gonna 
lace up the running shoes and, and tackle Penn State's campus in a 5K. Pretty excited for that. Not sure if I'll survive or not. Ran the ran the course most of it last night. Going to do it again tonight. Um, so been training for that one for a while now. Down a few pounds even. So wow. excited about what's to come there with the 5K. Get to finish at the 50-yard line. That's pretty neat. So going to come out of the player's tunnel running. I've been out of it walking before, but this time going to be full steam ahead. So <laughs> excited for that on Sunday morning. Hopefully it's not raining. Fingers crossed that would kind of stink. But, you know, a busy day Sunday, and that's just what's going to start it off. So excited for that one. Yeah, I, I've actually really heard great things about the 5K following the blue-white game and how cool it is to run out of the field there. Um, but good luck, Ben, because yeah. I've done my fair share of 5Ks in the past. And they've gone all right. Yeah, and had to hop on for this one. It's for a great cause, the uh, Special Olympics here in Center County. Um, you know, you, you, you do these 5Ks, one, to get in shape, but two, just to – to help some really cool people and some really great people out. So going to help out the uh, the Special Olympics here in, in Pennsylvania and here in Center County. So running for a great cause. Yes. And so that's that's what this is all about, and that's what we're really excited for. Yeah, I have to bring up while we're on the subject of 5Ks. We're getting very off topic now. That's all right, man. But uh, my mom and I always used to run 5Ks, and then I got lazy and was like, yeah, Mom, we're not doing this anymore. But we always ran one Thanksgiving Day in my hometown. There was a turkey trot, and we always did that one. But – Around those years, I forget, it was a couple years ago, I was somewhere in the middle of high school. We always go to the beach over 4th of July, and we saw that there was this 5K the morning of 4th of July, and we were like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, we're at the beach. Like, we'll run up and down the boardwalk. It'll be it'll be great. It'll be a good thing to do the morning of 4th of July. So we just went. Like, we signed up. We entered in it. And it turns out, like, you start on the boardwalk, and we took an immediate left right onto the beach. Oh. And... The whole 5K was on the sand, and if anyone's tough. run in, in sand before, it's awful. So that was – it was terrible. We were both dying by the end of this 5K because running was at 3.2 miles on sand was not fun. That, that's my big 5K story. But we got a free T-shirt out of it. It was cool. It had, like, fireworks on it. Nice. It, was, it was pretty great. And before we wrap it up here and we give you the, old, the whole the spiel to end it, um, an idea just popped into my head. Maybe we'll do a Ben and Ben 5K special in the future. How's yeah, that we can. Sound? That sounds like a wonderful time. You know, we talked about vlogging at Thon. Maybe we'll uh, vlog our experiences uh, at a 5K and running it. Our struggles over three miles. Do you have a GoPro? I do have a GoPro. All right, there it is. It's settled. We're gonna do <laughs> Ben and Ben live from a 5K. That's gonna come your way sometime in the fall semester. But for now, that's gonna do it for the Ben and Ben show for Ben Free. I'm Ben Jenkins, and remember, two Bens are always better than one.